0: This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode 38. This week, we honor the year 2009, along with a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2009. We also look at the case for putting Destiny's Child into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time next year. And our Spotlight Hall of Fame is the Grammy Hall of Fame and Museum in Los Angeles, California. This podcast celebrates those who have been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll also look at the case for certain artists to be inducted into the hall who aren't there yet. Plus, every week we'll discuss a different musical hall of fame, walk of fame, or museum and celebrate someone who's been inducted into them. Let's start with our main focus of the podcast, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall Foundation was established on April twentieth, 1983, Former Atlantic Records chairman Ahmet Erdogan was the head of the foundation at the time. Three years later, a committee chose Cleveland, Ohio to be the site of the physical location for the museum over Detroit, Michigan, New York City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Memphis, Tennessee, and Cincinnati, Ohio. I say physical location because members have actually been inducted into the hall since 1986 before the building was even opened. Cleveland was chosen because of what DJ Alan Freed did to promote rock and roll, including mainstreaming the phrase rock and roll, which was originally black slang for sex, and for also holding the first rock and roll concert. Ground was broken for the building on June 7, 1993. It opened on September 1, 1995 at 1100 Rock and Roll Boulevard on the shore of Lake Erie. The hall gets over 400,000 visitors a year on average. Normal hours of operation are between 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., except for Thursdays when they're open until 9 p.m. They are normally open later in the summer months. General admission at the moment is $30. Children 6 through 12 are $20. College students, first responders, military members, and Northeast Ohio residents are $25, and kids 5 and under Hall of Fame members and Cleveland residents are free. ID is required to get the discounts. Rockhall.com is their website. That's R-O-C-K-H-A-L-L dot C-O-M. And as with all places these days due to COVID restrictions, check with the website for updated information and hours. The year was 2009. The average cost of a new house was $232,880. The average income for the year was $39,423. Average monthly rent was $675. A gallon of gas set you back $2.73. A postage stamp only cost $0.42, and a movie ticket was $7.50. Barack Obama became President of the United States. The freefall from the Great Recession continued as banks and insurance companies received bailout funds from the government. Insurance company AIG was given $173 billion, which they then spent by giving $450 million of it in bonuses to their top executives. This right after the company announced that they lost $62 billion just in the latter quarter of 2018. Meanwhile, still other companies who were given bailout money spent it on vacations and golf retreats while their customers ended up declaring bankruptcy. President Obama gave a speech to school kids that year, which was televised on school classroom televisions. Far-right conservatives said that Obama was going to spread religious political propaganda to the unsuspecting kids as they thought and still think that Obama was and is a Muslim, so some schools actually refused to broadcast the speech. By the way, Obama's radical political propaganda message to the kids study hard stay in school and learn that is actually a radical propaganda thing the miracle on the hudson happened when a jet plane was forced to ditch in the hudson river all aboard were rescued somali pirates hijacked an american freighter off the country's coast and kidnapped the captain the pirates were later killed by u.s navy seals coincidentally Tom Hanks would later play both the pilot of the plane, Sully Sullenberger, and the captain of the freighter, Richard Phillips, in the movies about both those events. In early 2009, a flu called H1N1 turned into a pandemic, killing 284,500 people worldwide, most of those in Africa and Southeast Asia. As some believe that it started in pigs in Asia, then was transferred into humans, it is sometimes called the swine flu. Still others believe that it came from pigs in Mexico, so it started being called the Mexican flu. The pandemic started to ease up by the end of 2009 because governments actually took the pandemic seriously. And in the summer of 2010, the emergency was declared over. Albania and Croatia joined NATO in 2009. The International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir for war crimes committed in Darfur, making him the first sitting ruler the court ever issued an arrest warrant for. 2009 was also the year for major airline crashes as Air France Flight 447 crashed en route to Paris from Rio de Janeiro, killing 228 people on board. Yamania Flight 626 crashed off Moroni-Comoros, killing 152 people on board. One person survived that crash. Caspian Airlines Flight 7908 crashed in Iran, killing 168 people. The term anti-vaxxer, alt-right, and subtweet were also coined that year. Major deaths in 2009 included author John Updike, actor Pat Hingle, actor Ricardo Montalban, boxer NMR Johansson, Actor James Whitmore, radio broadcaster Paul Harvey, actor Ron Silver, actress Natasha Richardson, actress Marilyn Chambers, actress B. Arthur, basketball coach Chuck Daly, actor Dom DeLuise, American politician Jack Kemp, South Korean President Roh Moo Hyung, actor David Carradine, actress Fair Fawcett, actor Carl Malden, newsman Walter Cronkite. Boxer Arturo Gatti. English football player and manager Bobby Robson. Author Frank McCourt. American Senator Ted Kennedy. Eunice Kennedy Shriver. Actor Patrick Swayze. Actor Henry Gibson. WWE wrestling manager Captain Lou Albano. Comedian Soupy Sales. DC sniper serial killer John Allen Muhammad, who was executed. Belgium Prime Minister Pierre Harmel, actor Edward Woodward, Nobel Prize winning economist Paul Samuelson, actress Jennifer Jones, former Disney head Roy E. Disney, evangelist Oral Roberts, actress Brittany Murphy, Secretary of Defense during Vietnam Robert McNamara, and Tanzania Prime Minister Rashidi Kawana. The Nobel Peace Prize went to U.S. President Barack Obama for his efforts to strengthen international diplomacy, which surprised everyone, including Barack Obama, because he had only been president for a few months before he was even nominated for the award. The Nobel Committee said that it was more for his potential. Not sure how they felt about his Predator drone policy in the coming years, though. Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Johnny Depp was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive for the second time, and Kate Beckinsale was named Esquire Magazine's Sexiest Woman Alive. In books, conservative pundit books by Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, and Mark Levine were big, mainly because Obama was president, much like anti-Trump books by liberals were big during the Trump presidency. Also popular in 2009 were the books from the Twilight Saga, Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol, William P. Young's The Shack, Where Tragedy Confronts Eternity, Catherine Stockcheck's The Help, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers' The Story of Success, and Senator Edward Kennedy's True Compass, A Memoir. In technology, National Electronics retail store chain Circuit City went bankrupt and closed its stores. Bitcoin was first introduced by Satoshi Nakamoto on January 3rd. It took over a decade before it became a huge deal in the mainstream. Foursquare was introduced to the world at the South by Southwest Festival. Kickstarter started that year. News of Michael Jackson's death caused websites to crash and made Google think that it was under a denial-of-service attack. Gmail finally came out of beta after five years. Microsoft released Internet Explorer 8, Windows 7, and the Bing search engine. During the big release party for Bing, host Olivia Munn had to get the audience to yell, Bing it up! Bing it up! a bunch of times, actually. Truly a highlight of her career, I'm sure. Google released Google Voice, the Barnes & Noble Nook reading tablet was released, and Square was founded, as was Venmo and Uber. In video games, the new franchises were Bayonetta, Demon's Soul, Borderlands, Batman Arkham Asylum, Infamous, Just Dance, Prototype, and Dragon Age Origins. There was also Minecraft, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Street Fighter 4, and Killzone 2. Borderlands actually also came out on PC and became a huge hit. 2009 was also the beginning of the PlayStation Portable handheld device. In sports, one of the big stories was the revelation that golfer Tiger Woods had multiple affairs while married. The Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super Bowl, which was held for that season in 2010, in Miami, Florida. The Who were the halftime entertainment that year. The Florida Gators won the college football championship. The New York Yankees won the World Series. North Carolina won the NCAA men's college basketball tournament. The University of Connecticut won the NCAA Women's College Basketball Championship, completing an undefeated season of 39-0. and The Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA Championship. The Phoenix Mercury won the WNBA Championship. Alberto Contador won the Tour de France. Mind That Bird won the Kentucky Derby but couldn't win either the Preakness or the Belmont Stakes to complete the Triple Crown. The Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup, giving Pittsburgh, the city that is, two champions for that year. And Calgary won the National Indoor Lacrosse Championship. In golf, Angel Cabrera won the Masters Golf Tournament, Stuart Sink won the British Open, Lucas Glover won the U.S. Open, and Yang Young un won the PGA Championship. For the women, Brittany Lincecum won the Kraft Nabisco Championship, Anna Nordquist won the LPGA Championship, Ji-Un-Hee won the U.S. Women's Open, and Katriana Matthew won the Women's British Open. In motorsports, Jensen Button won the Formula One Championship, Jimmy Johnson won the NASCAR Championship, and Dario Franchitti won the IndyCar Championship. In tennis, Roger Federer won the French Open and Wimbledon. Rafael Nadal won the Australian Open and Juan Martin Del Porto won the U.S. Open. On the women's side, Serena Williams won the Australian Open and Wimbledon. Svetlana Kutsanova won the French Open and Kim Kleisters won the U.S. Open. In soccer, Chelsea beat Everton for the FA Cup and Barcelona won the Champions League. After playing in America for two years, David Beckham moved to play for AC Milan in Italy. In National League Championships, Barcelona won Spain's La Liga. Manchester United won the English Premier League. Bordeaux won France's League One. Internazionale won Italy Serie A, VFL Wolfsburg won Germany's Bundesliga, and Real Salt Lake won America's MLS Cup. In film, Avatar was the biggest movie of the year. It also became the biggest movie of all time at that point, both in America and the rest of the world. It has since been passed both in America and worldwide by Avengers Endgame. Other movies from 2009 included Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, 2012, Inglorious Bastards, The Hurt Locker, The Blind Side, and Up. At the Academy Awards, The Hurt Locker won Best Picture. Catherine Bigelow won Best Director for The Hurt Locker, becoming the first female director to win Best Director. Sandra Bullock won Best Actress for The Blind Side. Jeff Bridges won Best Actor for Crazy Hearts. And Christoph Waltz won Best Supporting Actor for Inglorious Bastards, while Monique won Best Supporting Actress for Precious. For the Music Oscars, the soundtrack to Up won Best Film Score, and The Weary Kind from Crazy Heart won Best Song. In television, analog TV signals were permanently shut off, making digital TV signals the only way you could get television. If you wanted to watch network TV at that point and didn't want to pay for cable or satellite TV, you had to spend money on a digital TV antenna. David Letterman announced that he was being extorted by someone who was threatening to take his multiple affairs public, so he took them public and got the guy arrested. Shows premiering in 2009 included Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Castle, Parks and Recreation, Cake Boss, The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien, NCIS Los Angeles, Modern Family, The Cleveland Show, Jersey Shore and American Ninja Warrior. Shows ending that year included Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Battlestar Galactica, Flight of the Concords, Schoolhouse Rock, ER, Everybody Hates Chris, and King of the Hill. The top shows of 2009 included American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, NCIS, The Mentalist, CSI, Sunday Night Football, Desperate Housewives, and Grey's Anatomy. At the Emmy Awards, Mad Men won Best Drama and 30 Rock won Best Comedy. In music, the major story was the death of Michael Jackson. BET did a tribute to him which was passable at best. It was overshadowed earlier in the day when Michael's father, Joe Jackson, didn't talk about his son during interviews but rather he pushed his new music project, and by he, I mean Joe's music project, not Michael's. Ah, family love. The MTV Video Music Awards also paid him a tribute, but all that was overshadowed by the now infamous Kanye West interrupting Taylor Swift's speech incident. I'ma let you finish, but. Other major music deaths included guitarist Ron Ashton of the Stooges, guitar great Les Paul, DJ AM, Billy Powell of Leonard Skinner, Dan Seals, Wayman Tisdale, blues great Coco Taylor, singer Al Martino, Avenged Sevenfold founder The Rev, singer Vic Chestnut, singer Carla Boney, singer Stephen Gately, singer Taylor Mitchell, singer Mercedes Sosa, DJ Rock Rada, singer Willie DeVille, opera singer Shi Pei Poo, singer Vern Gosden, composer Maurice Jarre, singer Elaine Bashung, singer Hank Lachlan, and Mary Travers of Peter Paula Mary. The biggest album of 2009 in America was Taylor Swift's Fearless, the biggest album of the year worldwide, was by Britain's Got Talent contestant Susan Boyle. Other big albums were by U2, Lady Gaga, Eminem, Jay-Z, The Black Eyed Peas, and Kings of Leon. EDM started to become more mainstream, mainly due to David Guetta helping to produce The Black Eyed Peas album, making way for other artists to want to work with EDM producers and led to the EDM explosion only a couple of years later. Michael Jackson was the biggest selling artist of the year, selling 35 million copies of his albums worldwide right after his death, along with his documentary, This Is It, becoming the biggest documentary of all time, making over $250 million, proving once again that nothing is better for your career than dying. The only problem is you're not around to reap the benefits of it. Oh, well. 2009 was Lady Gaga's coming out party with two of the biggest hits of the year being Just Dance and Poker Face. The Black Eyed Peas also had a huge year that year with Boom Boom Pow and also I Got a Feeling both hitting number one for multiple weeks at a time. Other best-selling singles of 2009 included Beyonce's Single Ladies, Taylor Swift's Love Story, and also You Belong With Me, Flow Riders' Right Round, Jason Mraz's I'm Yours, Kanye's Heartless, which, yeah, aptly titled, and the All American Rejects' Give You Hell. At the Grammy Awards, Taylor Swift's Fearless won Album of the Year, making her at the age of 20 the youngest winner of the award, right up until when Billie Eilish ended up winning it some years later. Record of the Year went to Kings of Lyon's Use Somebody, Beyonce won Song of the Year for Single Ladies, and the Zac Brown Band won Best New Artist. At the Eurovision Singing Contest that was held in Moscow, Russia, Norway won for the year Fairy Tale. At the Tony Awards, Billy Elliot, The Musical won Best Musical, and Hair won Best Revival of a Musical. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Induction Ceremony, bass guitarist Bill Black, drummer DJ Fontana, and keyboardist Spooner Oldman were inducted into the Sidemen category. It was the final year of the Sidemen category as the category was expanded upon in 2010 and became the Award for Musical Excellence category. In the Performers category, the Hall inducted Metallica, Bobby Womack, Jeff Beck, Little Anthony and the Imperials, and Run-D.M.C. And in the early Influencers category, the hall inducted this next artist. Wanda Jackson was born on October 20, 1937, in Maude, Oklahoma. When she was five, her family moved to Los Angeles in order to make a better life for themselves. When she was six, Wanda's father, who was a musician, taught Wanda the guitar as she had been singing since she was practically out of the womb. And soon, with lessons from both her father and other people, Wanda was good enough to start playing with her father on stage. When Wanda was nine, her family moved back to Oklahoma, this time to Oklahoma City. She started singing in churches and around the city. Then she auditioned for the local radio station, KPLR, where she hosted a radio segment. In 1952, country singer Hank Thompson heard her radio show and invited her to perform on stage with him. That, in turn, led to a regular gig performing with Merle Lindsay's band. She was still in high school during this entire time, by the way. While she was performing and eventually recording with both Hank and Merle, her first opportunity at a recording contract came. It was with Capitol Records, who rejected her, telling her that, quote, girls don't sell records, end quote. Decca Records eventually signed her, and she and her family moved to Los Angeles in order for her to record. Her first hit was a country song with her Hank Thompson bandmate, Billy Gray, called You Can't Have My Love, which went to number eight on the country charts. And instead of going into her career full blast, Wanda decided to go back to high school for her senior year stardom would just have to wait a year once she graduated high school it was game on she went to nashville to record with decca records again and while she was there she got to perform at the grand ole opry she didn't enjoy the experience though as she heard other performers that night making fun of her soon she started touring with her father quitting his job and becoming her road manager One of her first tours was with an up-and-coming young kid called Elvis Presley. It was during her time with Elvis in 1955 that he encouraged her to stop doing country music and to start doing rock and roll. In 1956, she was let go by Decca Records, but Capitol Records came calling again since she had proven that girls could indeed sell records. Go figure. During her first recording session with Capitol, she recorded a song called I Gotta Know, which combined country and rock and roll. The song became a hit, getting to number 15. Between 1956 to 1960, Wanda straddled the line between the country and the rock worlds, mainly by doing rockabilly songs. In fact, Rockabilly became her stock in trade and one of the main reasons why she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, with her rockabilly success leading to tours all over the world. The 1960s saw her get married. The decade also saw her get back to country music as rock and roll had started falling out of favor until those four lads from Liverpool helped to jumpstart the genre by the mid-60s. Wanda had a country music TV show for a few years as well called Music Village. While she was doing country songs, she also started doing songs for the international market, which opened up even more opportunities for her, especially with touring. In the 1970s and 80s, Wanda focused on recording gospel music, as both she and her husband had become born-again Christians. She still recorded some country albums, however... Capital knew that she really wanted to do gospel music, so they let her get out of her contract in order to go to record for gospel record label Word Records. In the late 1970s, Wanda temporarily quit the entertainment industry, moved the family to Texas, and became a stay-at-home mother. That didn't last too long, though, and the family moved back to Oklahoma and got back in the game. She also started riding the Rockabilly Revival wave in the 1980s right up until the late 2010s when she decided to finally retire from recording and touring as she is now in her 80s. She did manage to create some great work with artists, though, such as Jack White during this past decade. Wanda Jackson is known as the Queen of Rockabilly and was one of the first popular female rock and roll performers. Female artists cite her as a major influence on them, including Pam Tillis in the country genre and Rosie Flores in the rockabilly genre. Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan have also said that Wanda was a huge influence on them, and Elvis Costello was so influenced by her that he wrote a letter to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in support of her being inducted. Wanda was nominated for two Grammy Awards, and she has also been inducted into numerous Halls of Fame and is included on many Greatest Artists of All Time lists. Presented for induction by singer-songwriter Roseanne Cash, Wanda Jackson, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 2009, as an early influencer. Before we look at this week's case for putting an artist into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Let's look and see exactly how artists are normally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The criteria for being inducted into the Hall was originally that, quote, artists had to have had released their first record 25 years earlier and have created music whose originality, impact, and influence has changed the course of rock and roll, end quote. That interpretation has been updated in recent decades to include music that rock and roll influenced, like reggae, country, and hip-hop, and also youth culture that music has influenced and vice versa. That's why hip-hop artists get to be inducted now. The different categories that people can be inducted for are for musical excellence, which is for artists, musicians, songwriters, and producers who have had a dramatic impact on music. Also, early influencers, whose artists, whose music influenced rock and roll and youth culture, like jazz and the blues. The Amit Erdogan Award is also given out, which is named for famed record executive Amit Erdogan and goes to a non performer who has had an impact in music, like record executives and managers. There's also a category that inducted songs that have influenced music, like the Trogs' Wild Thing or Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh's Wooly Bully. But of course, the most popular category is a performer category, which has had everybody in it from Elvis Presley to Tina Turner. The different nominating committees decide who will make the official ballots for that year. Then the ballots are sent to a 1,000 musicologists, executives, performers, and other experts. The fans also get a chance to vote, with that vote usually being held on the hall's website, rockhall.com. Then from that, the final inductees are chosen. Now, with all that being said, let us look at the case for this week's entry. Last week, we gave you the list of artists who will be eligible for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the first time next year. This week, we're going to look at the case for putting one of those artists, Destiny's Child, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let us check the resume of the most successful American girl group of all time, and let's see if it's all worthy. We're going to concentrate strictly on them. We are not going to bring in Beyonce's solo career, although I do think that she will definitely be in as a solo artist when she becomes eligible. So, with all that being said, to the tale of the tape we go. Destiny's Child has put out five studio albums. Of those, three went top five, with Survivor going to number one and Destiny Fulfilled going to number two. All of them went platinum, including their first album, which initially didn't sell well, and their Christmas album, which also initially didn't sell well. The Writings on the Wall, which went to number 5, is their biggest-selling album, with over 8 million copies sold in America alone. Survivor sold 4 million copies. Destiny Fulfilled sold 3 million copies. And the Christmas album and their first album went platinum. As far as their singles went, they released 17 of them. Of those, all but 4 of them went top 40. And of the 13 that did go top 40... All but three went top ten, with four going to number one, one going to number two, and four going to number three. Sales-wise, three of their singles went gold, nine went platinum, and Say My Name went triple platinum, easily their biggest-selling single. They were nominated for 14 Grammy Awards, sold over 60 million copies worldwide, and are still considered one of the biggest-selling and greatest singing groups of all time, regardless of genre and regardless of gender. As far as their chances of being nominated for induction in their first year, I think that they kind of stand a decent chance. The only group that you can compare them to in both scope and influence is Diana Ross and the Supremes, and they've been in the hall for decades. Plus, even if you attempted to take Beyoncé's influence out of the equation— You really can't, because she's one of the most influential artists of the past quarter century, and that influence started when she was in Destiny's Child. I'm not sure that they'll get in on the first ballot, but they definitely deserve to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I figure sometime within the next five years. This week's Spotlight Music Hall of Fame and Museum is the Grammy Hall of Fame and Museum in Los Angeles, California. There are actually three Grammy museums now, with one in Newark, New Jersey, and the other in Cleveland, Mississippi, to go with the main one in L.A. The Recording Academy runs the museums, but has actually been inducting members into its Hall of Fame since 1974. The main Grammy Museum itself, with its Hall of Fame wing... Opened in 2008 at L.A. Live, which is the downtown L.A. complex that has the former Staples Center, now called the Crypto.com Arena, because that flows off the tongue. Hmm. The museum has four floors, including a theater. Some of the past exhibits there have paid tribute to John Lennon, Roy Orbison, Latin singer Jenny Rivera, and the world of hip-hop. Plus, they have ticketed evening discussions with artists such as Debbie Gibson. Ticket prices are $15 for adults, $13 for seniors, college students with ID, kids 6 to 17, and military members with ID are also $13. Children 5 and under and museum members are free Its normal hours are daily from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., except for Tuesdays when they are closed. However, due to the pandemic, always check with the museum's website to see if and when it is open, as their times have indeed shifted over the past six months. In fact, for the past few months, it's been expanded out a little bit. GrammyMuseum.org is its website. Jimi Hendrix was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. It was there as a teenager where he learned how to play the guitar. When he got out of school, he enlisted in the United States Army, where he joined the Paratroopers 101st Airborne Division. Once he was honorably discharged, he moved to the South and started playing gigs, first with the Isley Brothers Band and then backing up Little Richard for a couple of years. He moved to England in 1966, where he soon drew the attention of Chas Chandler of the Animals, who ended up becoming Jimmy's manager. It was actually Socialite and Keith Richards' girlfriend, Linda Keith, who introduced the two men. Funny thing about that is that the Rolling Stones manager was the first one to get the opportunity to be able to manage Jimmy, but he actually turned Jimmy down, feeling that Jimmy had, quote, zero potential. Let that be a lesson to you budding entertainment people out there, that just because you get rejected for an audition or a record contract, it doesn't mean that those people were right. Then it was time to put his band, the Jimi Hendrix Experience, together. While spectating at a New Animals audition, he met Noel Redding. Redding played electric guitar at the time, but that slot was, well, obviously taken. Jimmy was, however, impressed with the way Redding knew his way around playing the blues. Plus, Jimmy liked Noel's fashion sense and wardrobe, so he had Chaz ask Noel if he would switch to bass guitar and join the band. Noel said sure. Mitch Mitchell came in through a recommendation to Chaz, and that finished the trio with Mitch on drums. The group started playing together in London, where they picked up a celebrity following. Soon they had guys like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Pete Townsend, and others at their gigs just to watch them perform, and this was before they had even put out an album. The Experience put out their first singles, Hey Joe, Stone Free, Purple Haze, and The Wind Cries Mary, before they started recording, actually, for their entire album. The Jimi Hendrix Experience made three albums together. All three of them made Rolling Stone's Top 100 Albums of All Time list. This next album actually made the list the lowest out of the three at number 83. Access Bold as Love is the middle album out of the three Experience albums. It came hot on the heels of their debut album, Are You Experienced? It was also their second album recorded in 1967, since their contract said they had to do two albums in 1967. Thankfully, though, the album didn't get released until 1968 because the sales of Are You Experienced were doing pretty well at the time. They started working on AXIS in early May, right after the RU Experience sessions were done in April. They did some experimenting with this album, including letting Noel do some lead vocals and also using the recorder. Just to jar your memory a little bit, that was the first instrument you probably were made to play in grade school before you were allowed to play a regular instrument. They even played around with a harpsichord that was actually stored in the recording studio at that time. In June, they stopped recording long enough to travel around Europe playing gigs. They also went to California to play what turned out to be one of their most important gigs. In April of 1967, Mamas and Papas member John Phillips had an idea to put on a music festival. He had seen how the Monterey Jazz Festival and the Big Sur Folk Festival were run and respected and he actually wanted that for rock music. He got together with record producer Lou Adler and a couple of other guys and decided to hold a three-day festival at the Monterey County Fairgrounds in California. The festival was put together in about seven weeks and was different for a few reasons. First. Most of the acts played for free as the ticket box office was going to charity. The only exceptions to that were Country Joe and the Fish and Ravi Shankar. Second, everyone on the staff was trained and security was plentiful. The staff was even trained on how to take care of concertgoers who had taken too many drugs and were on bad LSD trips. There were also some historical reasons why this festival is still talked about to this day. One is that it is considered the first event in the Summer of Love that your parents and grandparents like to glowingly talk about. Technically, the first rock concert festival happened a week before But that festival didn't have earth-shattering, history-making performances like Monterey did. So Monterey gets the nod as the beginning of the Summer of Love because, as we all know, history is made by those who actually publicize it the most. The big reason why people still talk about this festival is because of who became famous after it. The festival introduced America to Janis Joplin when she performed with Big Brother and The Holding Company. It also made Otis Redding into a huge star. It let people get to know Ravi Shankar. The Who also made their mark in America there. The big act, though, that is synonymous with the festival is, of course, Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix made his American debut there after taking England by storm. His performance is legendary, from spinning his guitar to playing the guitar with his teeth to lighting his guitar on fire and praying to it. And life was never the same for the greatest guitarist who ever lived after that. And when people say the phrase, Jimmy Plays Monterey, you now know exactly what they're talking about. After the Monterey gig, they played a few shows at the Fillmore. While on the West Coast, they also did a few recording sessions that they weren't happy with because of the quality of the studios. When they got back from America in July of 1967, they went back into the studio to finish the album. Somewhere during that time, Jimmy managed to forget one of the master tapes in the back of a taxi in London. The producers had to then rework at least five songs, but didn't quite get the same quality that they had with the original Masters tapes. And be, towards the end of the album, tensions were beginning to show as Jimmy's perfectionist ways started to grate on everyone's nerves. Axis Bold as Love was released on December 1st, 1967, in England, but not until 1968 in America in order to capitalize on Hendrix's Monterey performance. When it did finally get released, it became a huge hit. The album has the songs Castle in the Sand and Little Wing, plus many more, and is known for being Jimmy's take on psychedelic rock. The album itself is a pure classic. The Jimi Hendrix Experiences album, Axis Bold as Love, inducted into the Grammy Museum Hall of Fame in 2006. And that is it for the Music Halls of Fame podcast, episode 38. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, basically everything having to do with this podcast is done by yours truly. You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, etc., all under Music History Today. If you would like to support this podcast, our Patreon can be found at patreon.com backslash music history today we are also on twitter at music history day and you can now find us on youtube don't forget to like subscribe and hit that notification bell anytime you want to know exactly what videos are dropped and when all of those links can be found in the show notes below thank you very very much for listening